Welcome back to Feature Presentation. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And this is the official flagship podcast of FeaturePresentationVideo.com, the home of the Drew Barry Marathon, the home of Y2 Kids, and this podcast where we just talk about things whenever we want to talk about them. Uh, this, uh, this episode, excuse me, on Christopher Nolan's Tenant is sort of in anticipation of our Barbie Oppenheimer weekend next week, and I figured there would be no better way to uh, celebrate the release of that film than to make Taylor watch Tenet again. A movie that I um, famously hated uh, the first time I watched it and has since really set me on a long complex journey of being a chris nolan hater um yeah what could make me more excited about oppenheimer a movie i'm not excited about already than to rewatch the thing i hate the most that he made and so you said fine i'll do it but i'll only do it if jess comes on the show so now uh our old friend jess becomes uh the first person to appear on all three of our podcasts Congrats, Jess. Oh, let's, wow. Let's I'm honored. Wow. Welcome to the show. Tell the folks about yourself. Hi, guys. I'm Jess. I appear every so often on these guys' podcasts, Making Chaos. Yeah. I host a show called Better Than Bad. Um, it's on a little break at the moment, a little hiatus, but we're coming back hopefully around September time. And you can follow that on Better Bad Pod everywhere that you get social media. Not only is she the first person to appear on all three shows, I think she's done it in in very quick time. I, th- I want to say three, four months. Yeah, record. Record speed, Jack. Record because anything would be a record, but yeah, sure. Yes, um, <laughs> but I, I, Jess is just so incredible and lovely and wonderful, and yes, you should definitely go follow her everywhere that she is online because she's amazing and brilliant. Um, but also, I wanted Jess on this episode because Jess – just has a way of pulling out the hater in you. Yeah, the hater in me, the com- the wannabe comedian in me. Like she just has a way of pulling it out. Um, not by doing or saying much, but just by the energy that she exudes. Um, and so I was like, if I am going to do an episode about how much I dislike Tenet, it has to be fueled by the Jess energy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's break this down. I'm just very down. accepting. I'm just very accepting. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> very forgiving is how I would put it. Enabling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many words. <laughs> um, so let's break this down. So three years ago, Tenet is supposed to save movie theaters. It's supposed to cure COVID-19 single-handedly. It's supposed to bring us all back to the normal world. You and I see Tenet uh on IMAX, we drive to another state to go see it <laughs> in a theater that was like pretty busy, and we were like, "This was maybe not a good idea." And then we saw Tenet. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, to be fair, it's not like we live in North Carolina and we drove to New York or something. We live in the DMV, Delaware, Maryland, or DC, Maryland, Virginia. DC, don't okay, thank you. DC, Maryland, Virginia, um, and so we're in Baltimore. Uh, we only drove like an hour to get to this other state, which was Virginia. Um, Baltimore slash Maryland was very, 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 very slow to open up um, for good reason. Um, but we got a little stir crazy. Patrick said we got to go see Tenet. 
I have FOMO. Everybody else in other states is going to get to see it before we can. Our theaters are sh- still shut down. So, yeah, there was a while there where we would do, like, once-a-week trips to Virginia. Um, and Tenet was the the talk of the film world. Uh, and we were like, we have to go see it. I, I, I do remember feeling very uncomfortable in the theater. Yeah, it was a little busy. <laughs> yeah. When did it come out in England, Jess? Sorry, you cut out there. Do you mind saying that again? Oh, I said, when did it come out in England? Um, I think pretty much the same time, maybe a couple of weeks after. I'll have to double check because there was a lot of like delays because we were closed for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, let me double check. Let me look. Um, did you see this movie in theaters while you're checking? No. <laughs> you didn't? Okay. Um, I watched it on... Um, we got it on when it came out on like the home release. Um, gotcha. Me and my boyfriend watched it, and we watched it on a laptop, and my boyfriend fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like Chris Nolan intended. Yep. Um. Yeah, Chris Nolan like wants it to be. I mean, let's just jump jump right into the hating. Well, okay, um, hold on. No, no, we shall not. Um, up hold a little on, bit here up. because you are very kind of torn on Christopher Nolan because we went on Jess's show, Better Than Bad, and. And we watched The Prestige, and we liked that one, right? And you thought The Dark Knight was a good movie, and you thought Inception was a good movie. but yeah. Inception was a really good movie when I was, like, 14. I, I still think it's a good movie. I think it's a fine movie. And then Tenet just, like, it it wiped away all, all goodwill. Yeah, and I, also I thought that Batman Begins was painfully boring. Everybody thinks that's boring. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I feel like, um, like I thought that the prestige, I mean, again, I don't know. The prestige was like good, but I don't know if it's like a saving him from the astro, like the monstrosity of. Tenet. So, yeah. So we saw this like on, you know, IMAX and like, it was cool. You know, the plane blows up and like, you know, they jump around and jump backwards. like that's cool on IMAX. We watched it for the first time on uh, on the Blu-ray release in anticipation of this episode, and I went, "Wow, everything about this is worse. Every Wait. everything about this is worse." Like at home, and so uh, Jess, who's only ever seen it at home, your your initial thoughts? I was just so confused, <laughs> and I still am. I've been doing, I want you guys to know, I've been doing like extensive research and by extensive, I mean a few Googles of <laughs> trying to figure out this film and yeah. I can't. And I keep, I, I've been, I watched a 45 minute um, video called Tenet Explained and it explained nothing. I think we watched nothing. the same one. <laughs> it explained like when nothing. it came out. I read the whole synopsis just now just to remind myself again of tenet just because i was like still struggling explain nothing i've been googling what different words mean i've come to the conclusion i may not be smart enough for this film and that's okay i can accept that Uh, but anybody (laughs) yeah you know it's like i listened to um somebody just explain the plot like on a drive to work recently like beat by beat like this is what was happening in this scene this is what was happening in this scene and i was like yeah okay i get it i get it i get it sure uh-huh uh-huh and then it was like and then they start to go backwards and i was like nope i'm out <laughs> and it was the exact place i checked out when we were watching the movie <laughs> because as much as they like to pretend that it makes sense it doesn't make any 
sense. And they say that. Like, that's what's so blasphemous to me about, like, Chris Nolan's audacity is he doesn't even try and, and take the road of, like, oh, only the elite will understand. Oh, if you get it, you get it. It's this, you know, like, um, you know, I don't know, just like this private experience for those who are really smart enough to get it. No, they say multiple times in the movie, like word for word, like, don't try and understand it. It doesn't make any sense, which is like literally the movie summed up into a sentence. Uh, and that is so lame and so cheap. Like maybe don't write your own scripts or don't write this script if you don't know how to make it make sense. Like that is unbelievable. That is so embarrassing for him. And yet what did we do? We just gave him more money and more explosive. I, I love that he was like, you know what? You guys didn't like Tenet. Fuck you. I'm just blowing up the theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, I keep seeing these things that it's like, Christopher Nolan says that even with low audio, the the theater, you are going to, like, convince yourself that you're vibrating in a warm because the heat of the image is going to be so intense. And I'm like, gay fucking life. I cannot. <laughs> Some people need to be stopped, and I will not. I will not stop until he is. And his two his two biggest collaborators are his brother and his wife. That says it all. That says it all. Like, okay, I'm not saying that you cannot have like very mutually fruitful like professional relationships with people in your personal life. Um, I'm trying, I'm like blanking on an example, but like us, um, us, I was gonna, uh, Noah Baumbach (laughs) and Greta Gerwig. Um, and, and, um, I'm sure there are another like dozen examples that I'm just like, Coen brothers, (laughs) Coen brothers, like exactly. Like, um, uh, I already forgot who I was gonna say, but you know, you can have these people in your life that like Will and Jaden Smith. Yes. Um in the in the one movie they were in together. They were like five movies together. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, couldn't have been that fruitful. Um, but they like I can see how like, you know, you find this life partner or you have a sibling or you have a a, a relative in some way and like you're automatically on the same page in like a lot of ways. Like you're on the same page enough in life that you want to get married. You're on same page on the same page enough that because you're related and you were like raised by the same people. Like I understand that. However, if you're also like audacious and like horrible at what you're doing which he is in tenant like that is just so damning that's damning evidence of like he just has yes man around him yes man around him and like i i don't know i'm so angry that i'm getting tripped up yeah we, we've only barely just begun unfortunately <laughs> so let's uh let's letterbox this one shall we armed with only one word tenant and fighting for the survival of the entire world (laughs) the protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time that's probably the best possible description because it's also extremely vague yeah and as is the rest of the film exactly you know like robert pattinson will just show up and be like I know I'm just meeting you for the first time, but we've known each other for two years and you like Diet Coke. It's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, like they'll just do shit like that. 
Yeah. I okay. One thing. Here's another damning piece of evidence. Okay. Um, when I I said to Patrick, um, you know, first of all, the mixing on this movie is horrific. Like that is just something that is so objective at this point. I think everybody agrees on that. Um, Patrick reminded me that like when this came out, people were literally going to like um subtitled open uh, caption op- screenings, open caption screenings, um because no one could understand what they were saying for most of the time, and then all of a sudden you'd be blasted out with an explosion. <laughs> um, so ridiculous. I mean, like learn to mix or don't fucking make movies. I mean, I just don't know what to say about that. Um. But, you know, the mixing is so bad. So like, He does that on purpose. You know that, right? So they can't hear his horrible dialogue? <laughs> oh I mean, smart God. move. Because let me tell you, watching it this time, when I don't have the shock value of the things that are happening, not only is it just, like, not as good of a movie, like, translated to the sc- to our, like, you know, 70-inch screen or whatever, um, but it's also just, like, a really bad movie. Like, it's, the dialogue is, it feels like AI wrote it. Um, it feels like people that have, like, Googled, like, like, I translated it into Spanish and then, like, back into English. Like, it just, like, the, the dialogue, the words on the page are so bad. They're so bad. Um, Do you agree, Jess? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm trying to be careful what I say, you know. I'm an actor. I don't want Christopher Nolan to hate me. Um, yeah, but, true. Yeah, um, Jess, I you think... can't do that to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, can you imagine? You'd have to come see the film. Um, <laughs> I would, I would, I would. I would put my differences aside for you, Jess. Um, I feel like... It's one of those things where when I was like looking into the film a bit more um, and doing the research behind like why it's called Tenet and all of this sort of stuff, I was like, I see the vision, but I just feel like the execution was flawed. So that's where I was going. (laughs) Um, So as I actually understood what was being said this time around, okay, I I turned to Patrick and I said- Because we put the the subtitles on. Yeah, because we put the subtitles on. (laughs) I said- is tenant was tenant a word like before this? I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> and um, he said, yeah, it, he literally picked it because it's spelled the same backwards and forwards. And he went through a list <laughs> of those words and thought that tenant sounded the coolest. Like, why not call it Hannah? Like, are you kidding me? Like, that is because then you'd have of... to think about a female character. Zing. Yeah, I mean. This is the most goofy thing I've ever... I mean, he is a goofball that we are just trusting and, like, admiring with this with these huge budgets. Like, he needs to be stopped. Okay, Because okay. it's the... The name comes from the, the Sator Square. That's what I was reading up about. Have you heard of this? No, what is that? <laughs> so, there was a... There's a... This, like kind of ancient puzzle called the Sator Square. Coincidence, been, but continue. That's been found dotted around Europe. And on this square, there's the words Sator, Aleppo, Tenet, Opera, and Rotas. And all of those words, so Rotas is the backward spelling of Sator, Aleppo is the backward spelling of Opera, and Tenet obviously is the backward spelling of itself. And every way you turn the square you see those words and all five of those words appear in the film 
interesting. <laughs> doesn't help any of the other damning evidence I have supplied. It doesn't help when they're driving backwards and, and you were like, wait, have they turned backwards already? And I was like, no, they're just driving the car backwards. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Let's break that scene down for a second. Okay. Because they're moving backwards in time. Yeah. But the car is turned the opposite direction. Yeah. Like, if they were moving backwards in time, the car would just be moving backwards. They're driving the wrong direction on the road backwards. That doesn't make sense. That means you're driving in time backwards. Like, physically backwards. You're not driving backwards in time or else your car would be moving backwards. Like, that makes no sense. Fumbled. He fumbled the bag with that. He fumbled the bag with a lot of things. That's going to be my first example. I think that, like... That is something that just, like, plays better on the big screen. You know, like, you kind of get caught up in, like, the zoomies of it. I was, like, really looking forward to seeing the plane crash again because I was, like, that was, like, the best part of the movie. It's when they just, like, bought a plane and drove it into a building and made it blow up. Like, that'll be cool to see again. And then when you watch it at home, it's like, oh, I don't, oh, that's just, it's just a plane driving into a building. Yeah, it, felt very it moves so slowly as well. It's not it does, yeah. like hurtling towards it. It's just like kind of do, 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 and like you can tell do. like that they like set off some like explosives like for the show of it that wouldn't have actually made any sense. You know, like the wing just explodes for yeah, no reason. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I thought that that was weird. <laughs> I do admire his, um, you know, commitment to doing things like in camera. He, he's like no CGI. I'm going to blow yeah. this building up. And when he does Oppenheimer, he's going, I'm going to blow up the whole world. Like, we're all <laughs> going to sit down and watch Oppenheimer. And then he's just going to set off a nuclear bomb. And he's going to be like, bye, guys. Like, I, just, <laughs> I love maybe the that's moment in the trailer to. when he goes like, what are the what are the chances of blowing up the entire world? And, and Cillian Murphy goes like near zero. <laughs> like, what does it even mean? Yeah. And he's like, it, it, can it not be zero? Yeah, he's no. like, oh, you mean we might blow up the world? Um, yeah, no, like I think that's like one of the biggest things about like his filmmaking that is like I mean you got to respect is the fact that like he makes this stuff happen. You're right, he does it in camera. He shoots on IMAX. Like he thinks about like the theater experience. Mm. I think. Yeah, we can't hear it. I well, well, yeah, that's the big thing. But I think because of that, like he doesn't think about that movies only are in theaters for like ten weeks if you're lucky. And otherwise, your your movie will live in perpetuity on home video and on streaming. And a movie that is mixed like shit and is all about the big screen experience, like, just doesn't translate. And so then you're, you're stuck with the story. And the story, I, I feel like, leaves a lot to be desired. You, you had said earlier, T, like, I wish I had the ability to just, like, turn my brain off and just be wowed by this you're stuff? referencing by my, my letterbox review okay I that's believe. what it was okay yeah you want to talk about that well yeah i mean like i think that this movie okay i'm gonna say a term that i feel like is usually used as a joke i'm going to use it like sincerely here for lack of a better term i think this movie is for like film bros who are down to clown and like down for a good time and are not people who actually like nitpick scripts and nitpick nitpick themes and stuff like you and I do. Not saying that we're superior. I'm just saying like two different kinds of film watchers. 
people who are there for like like you said a theater experience people who are there for vibes alone like i can understand how those people thought that this was a really cool movie but i don't feel like you can look at this on paper look at this at your home screening setup look at this um in terms of like actual storytelling and go like oh this is a very good film because it's nonsense they they say it's nonsense it is nonsense like that is to me like nearly objective to say that but i can appreciate that some people up liked the vibes and liked seeing the plane crash in an imax like i i get that and i wish that i could be that person but i cannot there <laughs> yeah jess any thoughts on that i mean yeah i think if you can just kind of switch off from trying to understand it and just kind of go with the go with the flow a little bit with it then i it is quite enjoyable it has some really um fun sequences in there i do think like the backwards fights uh that happens in the art um gallery thing uh is really cool like it was a cool thing to watch it was interesting to see how they kind of tried to film that um and that was like my thing as well a lot of those backwards scenes i was like trying to figure out how they would um film that and it was all like visually pretty cool um but yeah it's just trying to understand it it gives me a headache i think that like you know one thing that's kind of bothered me around the discourse of this movie, and I, I do want to say, like, I think there's it was, I think the world was just partially a little bit unfair with it because it was supposed to be like the savior of cinema, and like if it had come mm-hmm. out in like a normal 2020, it would have just been like a regular movie. I think that people had like really high expectations, and they and then you know really high highs and really low lows, right? And I think maybe we felt trapped to that a little bit but one thing that really bothers me uh, when it comes to discourse around this movie is people call it like christopher nolan's james bond like you can tell that he really likes james bond and even the letterbox synopsis mentions espionage which is technically true right they're doing some super spy stuff but james bond is like uh cool and and warm and charismatic fun and just the movies in general, right? And this is like a very cold movie. The emotions are very like they're they are um, uh, strained at the most. I mean, he uh, John David Washington, the protagonist, falls in love with the woman whose name I can't even remember right now, the female character because you know she's so underdeveloped. And like he falls in love with her, I guess falls in love with her. He he creates some he has some affinity for her after like a 20 second meeting, like, I mean, just like, okay, well that was weird. Oh, he's best friends with Bob Pattinson. They've been friends for however many years, but they just met. That's weird. Um, I just think that so much about it is, is just so Aaron Taylor Johnson's in this movie for like five seconds. Like, it's just like nothing about it feels like it doesn't feel like at all, like James Bond to me at all. Mm -mm. Aside from, Ken Brana as who's playing a Bond villain. Like he understood that assignment. Yeah. yeah. He's got the Russian accent. He's got the Gucci slides. He's running around <laughs> screaming. On a yacht. He's on a yacht. Yeah, like he <laughs> nailed it. Like he's the he is the the movie's goofy, but he is the goofiest performance. But I honestly feel like I would have liked the movie more if people had leaned into the goofy. But yeah, because they yeah. gave us like nothing yeah. emotionally and gave us like it seems like they like 
Um, I know, Patrick, you have your own opinions on John David Washington, which I'm sure you'll get into in a second, um, if you'd like. But um, I, I, they just, I feel like they gave us nothing to latch onto except for the words on the paper, you know. And again, if those aren't strong, then what are you giving me? A visual experience, sure. Well, only for the four weeks it's in theaters. Um, it, I something that was that struck me on the second watch is. Um, I remember Bob being in, um, like, every frame of this movie. I remember him being in every scene. Because he's the most interesting performance by far. Yes. And, well, I mean, uh, uh, if, you, if you don't count Ken Brown, but he's, like, doing a totally yeah, other Yeah, he's thing. in a different movie uh, <laughs> that happened to be filming, and they didn't need to use it, and he got put in this one, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I, I remember... Robert Pattinson being in so much of this movie and then rewatching it I was like he's never in it like because he's I like traveling backwards or whatever and they no, only I meet in certain <laughs> but I'm saying like I feel like that just goes to show like if that's what I took out of it was Robert Pattinson's performance in this movie and I had like basically borderline forgotten about John David Washington like that says everything that needs to be said to me Jess, your your acting thoughts? Um, I mean, I thought uh, I want to know whether Be the careful, actors Jess, understood because the script. If you, if you act across John David Washington, <laughs> he might say, "I listen to your tenant podcast." Okay, <laughs> yeah, I listen yeah, to FP. I I I want to know if they understood it. If they understood oh, the script. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Thank you. I don't mean to cut you up, but just real quick. I have said yeah. from the beginning, there's no way that Michael Caine gives a fuck about this movie. That he was just it, like, whatever, Chris, I'll come in. I'll do the one I know, scene. I like, I don't need to understand. I think that. I said that. No, no, no. I think that, and I feel like I remember reading something at some point where an actor said, someone who did, wasn't like a main character, but someone who had like little to do with it but was a big name i can't remember who it was they said like no i did not know what was going on i didn't try to know what was going on chris nolan is my buddy and he asked me to be in this and i said sure i think it might have been yeah anyway this is the thing like i just felt like they were all kind of giving what what their characters needed to give like that's kind of what i was feeling like it's this espionage drama they're all being very you know um, stoic and um, yes. doing all of that sort of angry uh, looking faces because they're spies. Um, and I just feel like that's the most boring choice, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's but, the theater in me. Yeah, yeah, dude, give me something. Give me something bigger. Um, yeah. But I just, yeah, I want to know if they understood it because as an actor, I feel like if you really are struggling to understand something, then it's going to hinder the way that you're able to, like, act and i mean i guess it's all right for uh the protagonist because he doesn't really understand it for most of the film and then randomly realizes that he's the one who set up this entire organization because time um and it's it's just like if i just feel like if i read that script and i didn't understand it i'd be asking christopher nolan so many questions like please you're gonna have to just sit down and explain everything to me bit by bit because I don't get what's going on and I'm just gonna look confused I'm gonna be on screen looking confused yeah I wouldn't even know how to like inflect like that's how like what words are important yeah I don't I wouldn't even know um and that is basic acting um so I Taylor's in the film like tenet (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like, where do I raise my voice? Like, what am yeah, I like, angry yeah, at? Like, what are the operative words? Can someone know? tell me my objective, please? <laughs> I need units um, and objectives. I need to understand what's going on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I will say, like, here's one thing that, like, really frustrated me, like, again, just in terms of, like, storytelling A to B was um, when Tenet, for the very first time, is being described to to the protagonist. Um, and they go, like, they go, like, here it is. This is what it is. It's really complicated. They give you all this mumbo-jumbo, a bunch of jargon that you don't really understand. They confuse you more. And then they go, don't worry about it. It's really confusing. You're not going to understand it. Okay? So we just spent, like, five minutes listening to this scientist try to explain it. Can I stop you for one second? Sure. There's that moment where he shoots the gun and he goes, that feels weird. And she goes, yeah, because the bullet's going back into the gun. And he goes like, whoa. <laughs> and on this second watch, I was like, okay, I think that's the most I will ever understand how this works. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, things move backwards. I think that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's but- so much exposition in this film that, like, doesn't really do much to even really explain what's going on like they're all there like literally describing it word for word like the scientist is there got the bullet out and they're like it travels back um through time because they've changed its entropy and it's um and all this stuff and i'm like (laughs) earlier on i've literally googled the word entropy earlier and it still doesn't make sense to what (laughs) as to what it was i was like i I don't i don't get it i just don't get it And that's what I'm trying, I think, to get at is, like, you know, we have this, like, literal, like, here is the moment of explanation and exposition. It's, like, this five-minute, essentially, monologue from this woman uh, because it's just him trying to understand. And as an audience member, I was, like, physically anxious watching this because I felt like someone was reading me the directions to a board game we were about to play and I didn't know how to play it. (laughs) That's the feeling! Oh, my God, you've nailed it. That's literally the feeling. You know when you're sat there and someone's like, right, let me read the instructions. And you're there, like, because that's me. I'm always the directions reader. The <laughs> in one, well, I'm going, the like, other. I don't think I'm going to be able to play this game in five minutes, guys. <laughs> and everyone's like, okay, go. And you're there, like, wait, uh, how do I play? Because yeah. that's this feeling in this film. Yeah. And so, so they they make you anxious. They put this fear of God inside of you, where they go, like, if you don't understand it now, you're never going to get it. You are fucked. Yeah, they go, you're fucked. They go, like, this is so hard. We're going to throw in words you have to Google. Um, and, and then to finish it off, to, to build you up, build you up with all this anxiety, and then just go, like you'll never understand well first of all you're a dick i mean like why why would it build to that like that's just so rude but second of all then they abandon the idea of tenet for like 45 minutes because he's like worried about like where the guns come from and stuff he goes on this side quest for like 45 minutes (laughs) so i've just like ravenously been reading the subtitles like what do i what is this tenet thing where the character in mumbai his name is sanjay singh which is like and then his wife's name is Priya. Like, did you Google Middle Eastern names in Mumbai? Like, that's the most obnoxious thing I've ever heard. It's the, the, the names of this movie are ter- I mean, we don't even need to get the, the protagonist thing. But Yeah, yeah I but, mean, he uh, just was like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what he could be called, honestly. He's like, I really want to call him James Bond. And like, I can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, but, you know, like, they, they build again they they build up all the things you like think you maybe finally kind of a little bit 
sort of understand it, and then they just ditch it for forty five minutes, and then by the time it picks back up, you've forgotten it's it. It's like the it, by the time it picks back up, it's like the 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 backwards car thing, and you're yeah. like, okay, I'm lost. And I go like, well, it, it would have been really nice for this to happen like right after the exposition, <laughs> so maybe I could have tried to like apply my thinking, um, like I'm a student, um, but I, I was not afforded that luxury, so therefore I'm not gonna understand the rest of the movie and I think that that is like a perfect example of just like literally poor like A to B in terms of like getting your audiences there and giving them the information they need to get there um like poor construction of that on his part yeah I I agree I think that like the bones are there of like okay let's continue this James Bond thing like okay Bond has to go to Jamaica to get this information and then he's got to go to Scandinavia to get this information like that's how it works right so okay they have mm-hmm. to go to Mumbai to get this information and then they've got to go to the the plane the the airport what I'm looking for um you know and, and crash the plane they got to do that set piece and they got to like go all around to collect information and get closer and closer to Ken Brana right but you're totally right and I didn't even really realize it's that like they kind of abandoned the tenant thing for like all of those scenes and then okay now we've got Kim Brana and we've got tenant what do we do now and they're still you know an hour and a half left of the movie <laughs> yeah and then it just feels like I have already been like even the B plots are confusing even when they're not you know dealing with tenant directly it's confusing so like you've confused me on tenant you then confused me on your random B plot and now you're confusing me again on tenant but asking me to apply something that I've basically already forgotten at this point um, because it's completely foreign to me like I feel like um, you know like literally like let's say when you're trying to learn like I don't know multiplication or something this is like how a teacher does it they go like I'm going to explain how to do it. You're going to watch me. Then we're going to do it together. Then you're going to do it on your own. When you are explaining something that is completely foreign to your audience and so complex that even you can't explain it, don't you think that we should take it step by step and maybe set our audiences up for success? I guess, Jess, I'll ask you this question. Like, Do you think that he even really cares if we understand it? Does he understand it? <laughs> oh, well, I because I, I was thinking about this because I was reading this article about when I was looking into that whole Sator Square thing. Um, and the, this guy was theorizing that part of this whole film is that this idea that you kind of go back and you get multiple things from it because you can look at it from different angles which is, you know, whatever, like a bit woo-woo, but we, we, we move. Um, and I just, I don't know whether he cares. I feel like he wants people to understand his films because, I mean, Nolan's got a lot of films that are a bit complex um, and they have a lot of sort of time themes running through them that can be quite confusing. I think of like uh, Memento is a really good example of that where you kind of watch it, you don't know where you're at. Um, and then when you get to the end you're like satisfied because you know you're like oh no it makes sense and you can watch it's got a lot of like rewatchability because you can rewatch it and go oh no I didn't realize that before but with this I feel like it was just a bit too ambitious I think that's what the issue is here I think he had this story that was super ambitious um and it just kind of failed in the execution and then what ended up happening was because something I wanted to mention is like I was so fixated on trying to figure out what was going on there were like basic plot points that i just completely skipped over the fact that he's like 
that Sator, the uh, Kenneth Branagh's character, is like dying. Skipped over that. Didn't realize yeah. he was dying yeah. until I reread the synopsis. The fact that they're <laughs> trying to like set off a nuclear bomb thing to um, destroy the world. Didn't even realize that. I had no idea why they were going into that bunker to try and like stop something. I didn't understand what was going on uh, at yeah, all. Yeah, I couldn't figure out like why they cared. Like why were they blowing up um, the the um, the plane port thing what, what am i trying yeah, to think of yeah um whatever that's called um like i had no, well what that specific building oh the hangar the hangar thank you like i i didn't understand like why why do they need the paintings like i had no idea that like oh she's she um uh, uh i can't i'm losing all my words right cat cat thank you very much I um think. no you're right you're right she's like she's a, an appraiser yeah, and like screwed up uh, a fake painting, and the fake painting is in the thing, and he's using the fake painting against her. I didn't get any of that. I was just like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is the scene where the plane blows up." <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think it was just like a bit too ambitious. I think there was a bit too much going on, and had it been a bit more focused, then um, I think people would have understood it a little bit more. Because I mean, like the basic plot, the idea that there's people who are in the future who are trying to send things back to destroy the world in the past because the world in the future is so shit. I was like, okay, basically that makes somewhat of sense and could be a really good story, but because there's so much going on around it and with all this, like James Bond espionage going to one place, going to to another, there's all these little side quests, as you put it, it becomes so confusing that you can't even keep up with the, the, like the middle through line yeah no i i completely agree i feel like um yeah there there's just a constant like what is the literal objective of these characters right now i'm not even talking about like from an acting perspective i mean like as an audience going like what are they trying to do in this moment they say so many times and this is again like a testament to like just how vague the synopsis is how vague the movie is how vague it, it all feels um but they say so many times like the the fate of the world rests on our shoulders and it's like how and how mm. does this painting fit in and how because does this yacht like fit in blow up the world yeah. if we don't stop them. yeah but like they never say that like really outright i yeah. feel like they just keep saying these like veiled threats and going like our work is really important and it's like okay it's so is mine like in what way of, it's like fluffed up with loads of like big words yeah <laughs> i sound so yeah. dumb saying something like that there's loads of big words in this film <laughs> no um, no i think it's like there's like they when they're talking about the fact that they want to kind of blow up the past they use like nuclear fusion duh, 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 duh. and then i'm yeah. like if you'd have just said like nuclear bomb or like they're, they're yeah. sending a nuclear bomb back or I'd we're get gonna what, blow up the past yeah. <laughs> like they're blowing up the past they're sending back this nuclear bomb they've like and he's coming into him into the past in parts he's getting his payment through gold from the past like i get that but there's so many like weird scientific words and i mean that's completely fine to have that in there because it's you know these are real words they're real phrases they it's probably what you would say like in this situation but maybe like then have a character who dumbs it down you know or have have like another opportunity that's that's normally like what the role of like the sidekick character is like that rob pattinson character is is the felix Leiter character he's supposed to like come in and be like okay, the United States wants to know what you're doing, 007, you know, and then, like, yeah. catch mm-hmm. up a little bit. But he instead, all he does is just, like, confuse the protagonist even more 
by yeah. this friendship that he doesn't understand until the end of the movie, you know. Yeah, I feel like Robert Pattinson's character needed to be that person who was like in the room when he was getting everything explained and being like, basically, everything's going backwards because they're sending it from the past and we'd all go, oh, yeah, that's the thing, I is like, get the, it. Because the, the main character doesn't even understand what's going on. Yes, that's what's so confusing. And, and I find it quite frustrating because, li- listen, Taylor, I know you hate Christopher Nolan. I know you do. But <laughs> I'm... I like most of his films it's <laughs> like, just this that I, 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 this this made me go like this made me question how much i actually liked any of his stuff that i liked before like this made me go like mm, let me revisit inception was it even as good as i remember oh let me revisit whatever is it really as good as i remember like i don't know mm-hmm. i feel like this made me like just be very skeptical of like all the things that i had appreciated before <laughs> Yeah, I mean, of of the films of his that I've seen, this is probably the only one that I haven't really got along with. Um, everything else I've kind of relatively enjoyed. And um, so it, it was kind of like weird to see it. And I, you know, I am excited to see Oppenheimer and see what he does with that, because at the end of the day, that is kind of, I think I've heard that he's going to have a bit of like stuff that is actually like factual and written and then other stuff that's a bit more like he's kind of basing it into this sort of fictional world but it's a bit more of a linear story like there's i don't think there's much that he could kind of fuck up with it um yeah so to speak but i yeah i just feel like this film's just like so confusing and it's considering that he is a very good filmmaker and people want to work with him because he's a good filmmaker it's kind of disappointing that it just this this idea that kind of there was some sort of gold in there somewhere um just kind of fell a bit flat i think it's just an example of like why people need oversight even people who have proven themselves to be talented i that's interesting because i like i kind of and to your point jess like what this has made me rethink is okay so like clearly like yes he's great with big stuff he's great with explosions and he's great with practical effects. practical effects and fight scenes and and he's also great with like big ideas you know inception has big ideas and this has big ideas and and uh you're right the memento does on a smaller scale obviously but it has these it, it has these questions that it wants to answer and he brings some of that into the comic book world in in the dark knight stuff but mm-hmm. i think what this really made me think about him as a filmmaker is and this is just my personal opinion is I don't think he's very good with actors is I don't think that he, and I would be surprised if people who were good at these big heady things like he is could get down in the nitty gritty. I think that's a different type of director maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. But you go like, okay, what are the best performances in Chris Nolan movies? Well, uh, Hugh Jackman in the prestige. Well, he's just great. Well, Mm Heath Ledger in the dark Knight. Well, Heath Ledger did all that. Right. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception. Well, Leo's just great. You know, like you can just think of like, I can't nail down too many. Like, I feel like this is like Chris is doing. Yeah. It's also like people who were celebrated in so many other roles, you know, like maybe not before Chris, but at some point after that have showed like um, they can just kind of pave their own way in terms of like being a great actor. Um, There are no people who are like, you can attribute this one award or this one performance to a Chris Nolan film because they never did that again, or they had never done it before. And I think that's, that came about for me because 
Kim Brana is going balls to the wall, which I mean, I appreciate. I mean, the guy like, you know, he's like, fuck, I'm just going to do it. You know, <laughs> I like that. I like the fact that Robert Pattinson, he grows on me every time I see him. Yeah. I think that he's, he's doing something here he that I'm plays. into. Like he's, he just, yeah, he's, yeah, he plays. I think it really comes to a halt with John David Washington, which like, I don't really need to get into the, into the weeds of like, you're right. I have my own thoughts about him as a performer. I don't find him very interesting. Uh, in general, I have only one movie have I found him interesting, and that was Black Klansman. And in Black Klansman, he is so goofy, and he's mm. really mucking it up, and he's playing with the Spike Lee script, and he's being directed by Spike Lee, who is a an actor's director, right? And he gives what I think is his best performance. I think he's often lifeless in other stuff, and when he's doing that here, and he's really bland and he's really plain and his character doesn't know what the fuck is going on so he doesn't know what the fuck is going on it feels very like oh i think that this is like a genuine problem that nolan has Hmm. i think that's interesting Hmm. i mean it's possible but then the other the, the argument against that would be that there's a lot of actors who go and work with him again and i feel like if he was bad with actors people potentially wouldn't want to work with him again well, I don't but then think also Patrick they're means... big pieces, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's a difference between like being bad with actors in the sense that you like create an unwelcoming environment that actors don't want to return to, or like you have negative experiences with actors. Mm. And there's a difference between that and just like I not make being the able picture, to direct them. Like I make the picture pretty. Like, yeah, yeah like, like you just do whatever. Some actors might like that freedom. A lot of actors true, like true. when the directors stay the fuck out of the way, you know, and like maybe uh christian bale is one of those actors you know you know uh that's possible um uh, maybe silly murphy's one of those actors i doubt it but it's possible right but yeah i don't think it's like they probably so this is that oppenheimer's his first movie with him no right? he did yeah. um, oh he did inception the batman movies oh and, and batman yeah, yeah. oh you're right you're right um, but he was giving i mean he did disco pigs 25 years ago you know i mean that guy's been giving crazy performances for a long time so like um yeah, I think it's not. It's less like in the room and, and in the moment and more just like, does he really elevate them? Does he use them to elevate the piece? Or is he just like using the fact that you as an audience member love Matthew McConaughey because everybody loves Matthew McConaughey. And so when McConaughey um, breaks down and cries in Interstellar, you're sad as fuck because like you love this guy. We all love him. Or has he actually like earned that? I don't think that mm. he's earned it. And I think that this kind of showed that. I think that that's like a really interesting perspective. Thanks. I'm interested to see how it it works in Oppenheimer because like, I think Sally Murphy's really interesting. I think Matt Damon's really interesting. I think Emily Blunt is really interesting. I think, I mean, this this is a cast with more stars in the heavens. Right. Um, but is it just going to be like, when is the bomb going to go boom? Yeah. (laughs) Telltale sign, I feel like with movies that directors are, I don't want to say uninvolved because they're just involved in different areas of the filmmaking process. Like, um, again, they're not like an actor's director per se. I feel like a telltale sign of that is always like, does it feel like the actors are just like acting in totally different movies? Because like, as we know, the movie magic is that, if Cillian Murphy and Florence Pugh are talking to each other in Oppenheimer, they've probably never been on set together once, you know, not necessarily that's extreme, but like there are a lot of, you know, people who just like talk to a cardboard cutout and, Mm. and 
they act. And so like you can usually see if if there if a person is not like a really tuned in actor's director, people will just kind of be in their own worlds a little bit. Uh and I think that that's usually a sign. Um so it'll be interesting to watch with Oppenheimer. I do have to say that like despite all of my like joking and my you know like passionate disdain for chris nolan it really did come out of tenet and and yes it has genuinely and not just for the bit made me question other movies and made me like very skeptical of other things and has and really did turn me off in a big way for all of the reasons that i mentioned but i am like cautiously optimistic about oppenheimer i feel like um like you were saying, Jess, uh, he has to have the reins pulled in a little bit because he's dealing with a real subject and he's dealing with real facts and he has to put those facts on the paper and hopefully the facts in and of themselves are interesting enough. I think that they will be. Um, but that's not to say that it can't go awry, that the, the, the writing can't be bland, that it can't have some of the same faults that Tenet does. Maybe not in terms of understanding, but maybe in terms of just like it feeling like the words just feeling unnatural, the you know, uh, unclimactic, um, things like that. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see Oppenheimer. I'm not actually like dreading it as much as I joke about, um, but I am very cautious about it. Yeah, I think it's just gonna like from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's gonna be a really depressing film. Um, yeah, and that's what he seems to be saying because it's it's essentially about you know. The, the thing that hangs over all of us in our world now is this idea of nuclear warfare so it's kind of always going to be depressing isn't it but um i think it'd be interesting to see how he handles it and how um it sort of is portrayed on the screen because i think it is something that could be really interesting um and yeah i just think Christopher Nolan gets given a lot of money to do kind of whatever he wants. And I think sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but Warner Brothers don't seem to care. It is Warner Brothers that do all his films, isn't it? Um, I think that I, th- I want to say Oppenheimer is a new company because um, he, Warner pissed him off during the release of Tenet. Because uh, I heard, I don't know if this is true. I heard that Warner Brothers told him if you make if you finish the Batman trilogy, we'll give you whatever money you want to make other films. I, I heard that through the grapevine, and I don't know whether it's Yeah, true. it was like he got to make the movies in between the Batman movies. Yeah. They were like, okay. yeah, go off and make your weird thing that nobody cares about. And then it ended up being like Inception, you know? Yeah, um, yeah it's universal as Oppenheimer. So yeah, I think he got uh, pissed off with the way that they handled the the COVID stuff. And, then, and also, like, they wanted to dump it on HBO, which obviously pissed him off. Yeah, I think to this whole conversation i think that's maybe a good place to wrap it too especially because i know you gotta go to bed jess but like mm-hmm. um yeah i think in the same way that people like goob on wes anderson for like oh he has a um a very specific color palette and he always tackles the same themes and when he's at his worst it's really just like a, a he's you know, the jokes on him, man. And he's got this repertory troupe of actors who always acts the same way. I think that all of those things are true about Chris Nolan. Right. But I think in the same way, when it's, when it's on, it's really on, I mm-hmm. think inception, like, yeah, maybe, you know, you grew up a little bit and you went like, okay, this wasn't as deep. I still think it's like a hell of a thing to pull off. Yeah. You know, the dark Knight is, is maybe the best comic book movie of all time. One of the best action movies of the 21st century, you know, yeah, and it has that. one of the greatest performances ever in it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
but when for it, better or for worse for better or worse but when it when it just falls flat i mean it really just you go like yep that's what i thought that's what i thought that's what i thought i think he's just a guy who like i don't know can't rely on his own devices you know i feel like um yeah he he's he he can lean into himself when it comes to the practical effects and he can lean into himself when it comes to the ideas but his writing his direction of actors his these things like these things that make movies movies uh he can't entirely rely on himself for that and so it's about striking the you know striking while the iron is hot with like the right actors and like having a script that makes sense like enough for those actors and so like when those pieces don't come together you the cracks really seriously start to show Mm. and it's like you know every director has to have a stinker right and it's just usually that happens quite early on in their career but it's just sort of been the case that it's happened now and because he's so like well loved across the board I think people kind of speaking back to what you were saying earlier Patrick like people kind of being extra harsh I guess because it's like well we expect so much and this was supposed to save cinema um so it just kind of felt extra flat (laughs) Well, I expect Oppenheimer to save my summer. Uh, next week on this podcast, we are doing the, what are people calling it? The Barbieheimer? Is that what it is? Yeah, Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer double feature. We are going to see Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter. We have a quick lunch break and then we're seeing Barbie and we're going to come straight home and we're going to uh, podcast about them both. So you can listen to that episode. Um, the correct order to do that. Exactly. Yes, thank you. you. People who did, like, okay, why would you want to leave the theater on the note of Oppenheimer, even if it's a great film? Okay, like, let's say, hypothetically, I don't think that this is going to be true for the record, but, like, let's say that Barbie is, like, such a mid-level stink, and let's say Oppenheimer is, like, one of the greatest films ever, and it's, like, up there with The Dark Knight. Okay, right? Even so, you want to leave on on your Happy. um on your Barbie world high. Like that's like you should not want to leave on the on the low of Oppenheimer. Yeah, I don't know why people would be in like there were people saying we're gonna do Barbie brunch and then we're gonna do Oppenheimer no. dinner. And I went, No 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 because no. then you go home depressed about how the world's gonna end by a exactly. nuclear bomb. No 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 no. We're gonna end on bright pink Yes. Ryan Gosling being hilarious. Margot Robbie being hilarious and everyone living their best lives. That's what we're ending on. We also like don't have the ability to do brunch and then a huge gap and then dinner <laughs> because we're driving 45 minutes to the theater that's showing it on 70 and have to get back in time to let our dog out. So we're doing like, we're really doing it back to back. Um, wow. But we're going we're gonna to come home, let him out and then, and then pod all about it. So uh, the same place you're listening to this show, uh, you can listen to that podcast next week. And uh, maybe Taylor will scream and yell about how someone should stop him sometimes. Or maybe you'll like it. Who knows? Really? Who knows? Me in about a week, I guess. <laughs> um, Jess, where can everybody find you? Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter if it still exists. Um, it, at Jess underscore Rolland. You can follow me on Instagram at Jess Rolland. And you can also follow my podcast at Better Bad Pod everywhere that you get social media. As I mentioned earlier, this is the flagship show of FeaturePresentationVideo.com. That is our website. It's the home of everything that we do. The Drew Barrymore-a-thon where we are watching every single Drew Barrymore movie. 
Y2 Kids, where we are uh, going back and revisiting nostalgic stuff from our childhood around the new millennium. Every review that we write, every column that we write, um, it can all be found there. And you can find the Barbenheimer double feature episode there next week as well. You can go to featurepresentationvideo.com, put your email address in, and we will send you everything that we do for free. You can find me um, at Letterboxd, which I think will be the place to be next week. Uh, you can find me at Let- uh, on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone, and you can find me on Twitter at Mailer Talone, and maybe next week I'll be letting you know what my Threads uh, account is. Oh, God. Or what's the other one, the one you had to get uh, an invite to? Blue Sky. Blue Sky. God. Uh, and if anybody has an invite to Blue Sky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find me at Patrick J. Regal everywhere you find people online except Threads or Blue Sky. I guess maybe I should claim those, so that's still technically true. They'd be like, you can find me <laughs> there except on Threads where somebody stole my username just to piss me off. Yeah. Um, I'm going to steal it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you, you should do that. You can find me at Taylor Malone on Twitter and at Patrick J. Regal on Threads. <laughs> I'm going to ruin your reputation. Don't give me ideas. Okay. All right. Next week, Barbie Oppenheimer. Jess, thank you so much for completing the trifecta and being on all three of our shows. It's always, always fun. And thank you for staying up late for us. That's okay. I always have the best time and end up absolutely wetting myself laughing at Taylor, just hating on Christopher Nolan every single time. (laughs) We love you, Jess. We can't wait until the next time you pop on the show. So um, yeah, everybody have a great Morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Have a great Barbenheimer. Have a great Barbenheimer, yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah. All right. See you guys next week.